y'all. We're Kristen and Emily. Besties who love talking about female-driven cinema. Come along for the ride as we talk about landmark films with female writers, directors, actors, and producers. We aim to highlight women's stories and the characters they bring to life on the big screen. So buckle up and join us on this female-driven journey. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Hello, everybody. Hello, passengers. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are in the midst of summer of Judy here at the end of June. D. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. That hurt my soul. <laughs> yeah. But I'll never be able to get that out of my head, though. No, yeah. It's forever June D. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Um, love June D. <laughs> Gosh, she's the best. She really is. Yeah. I'm probably going to post some clips to our Instagram, but Kiki is in her Dorothy cosplay. Mm-hmm. Can you describe, or do you want me to describe? Oh, I think I'd rather hear you describe. Oh, okay. So yeah, Kiki has bright blue headphones. So that's kind of like a nod to the classic gingham, the now famous gingham dress. And mm-hmm. she has the, pig- the pigtails and she has auburn hair. So she's already rocking Judy, the Judy yep. look. And red ribbons, and yes. Uh, and I have green lipstick for good old Wicked Witch of As the West. As a nod to the Wicked Witch, which yes. I learned, Kristen, in my extensive research. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that. It, it, was, it, it was in depth, but I was like, wait, did, they, did this movie invent the green witch? And it did. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yep. Like, the, what we consider, like... The archetype iconography, witch. yeah, like the the, like the, the nose and the, oh my gosh, and her outfit, like that's from mm-hmm. this movie. Wow, so, isn't that wild? Yeah, we owe a lot. Yeah, it, it influenced pop culture like crazy. So Forever. it's gonna be great to get into this. Yes. So, um, oh, we didn't even say. Yeah, if what have, movie? <laughs> if you if you haven't picked up on, on context clues, we are talking about the perennial favorite. The I don't know what immortal right yes maybe well I think it definitely is the most watched movie of all time Mm, I I agree I love this movie I had all of the feelings when I was watching it yeah I hadn't seen it in years and years but when I watched it again I was very emotional I loved Mm. it and I think it's one of those movies that the more you watch it even the older you get the more um it'll resonate with you the more significant Mm. it'll it'll start to feel so we are talking about the 1939 MGM classic, The Wizard of, of Oz. Oh, I just want to burst into song. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> yeah, there's so many great musical numbers in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Judy Garland starring as Dorothy Gale, yes. like the iconic role that was her breakout role. Um, we've got Ray Bulger as the Scarecrow. Jack Haley as the Tin Man. Bert Lair as the Cowardly Lion, and <laughs> yeah. Frank Morgan, the Wizard of Oz, and he's, Margaret he's... Hamilton as <laughs> Wicked the Witch Wicked of Witch the of West. West. And as, is it Elmira Gulch? Miss Gulch. Oh, <laughs> yes. Elmira Gulch. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I've got I've got some stats here. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, it was made in 19... Well, it was released in 1939, but it was shot the year before then. So... Mm. It took, I think, yeah, I think they shot it a year before, like almost exactly a year before they released it. Wow. Okay. Um, so Judy was 16 at the time it was made. 
I didn't know uh, she was that young. She looks young, but yeah, she's a baby. Oh, wow, she's a baby, and it it has a notoriously chaotic production history. Yeah, so it was. I don't know if you knew this, Kristen, but there there fourteen writers worked on this. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's usually that's a, chaos. That's usually a really bad sign. <laughs> I think two writers is chaos. Yeah. Four, well, <laughs> there are three that are credited. So the three credited writers are Noel Langley, who had, I think, who was the most instrumental in mm. in the script. Uh, Florence Virison. So yeah, we have one female writer here. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah. And Edgar, nice. Edgar Allan Wolf. It's spelled, it's I like saw... Edgar Allan Poe, but it's like Virginia Wolf. It's like, I just have questions for his parents. Like, Edgar is Alan this Wolf. on purpose? Yeah. Because that's I, amazing. I think so. Yeah. And he became a writer. The director, again, there were so 14 writers, three that were credited on wow. screen, four directors. Oh, oh wow. But okay. it's, cre- it's credited to the director of record is Victor Fleming. Yeah. Was he gone with the win? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. This, so I've, yeah, when I was learning about this, like is associated has close ties to gone with the wind and also snow white. We'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Four directors, all movies that messed me up in childhood. We'll go go through. (laughs) Yeah. We will, we'll, we'll talk about it. So music by Harold Arlen lyrics by F Y Harburg. Amazing beautiful songs oh yeah produced by hollywood legend mervyn Leroy. Hmm. yeah we'll, we'll get into how crazy this was and yeah and then and, and then kiki mentioned the cast of course we've got judy garland and then you yeah frank morgan he played five different parts in it so yeah, yeah. so he was he was professor marvel and the wizard of oz yeah. and the gatekeeper at the emerald city and he's a carriage driver and he was a guard yeah. <laughs> and he like he's just it's just funny when you see his face pop up did you notice that as a kid i think so unconsciously i feel like, like i might have too maybe. but not all of them i don't think yeah and then yeah. ray bolger was hunk slash scarecrow bert lar zeke slash cowardly lines jack haley hickory or hick and the Tin Man, Billy Burke as Glinda the Good Witch. <laughs> yeah, what a cool name, Billy Burke. Billy Burke, that was probably her her stage name. Mm. We'll talk more about these actors, but yeah, uh, Margaret Hamilton, Margaret Hamilton, legendary, uh, amazing actress, character yeah. actress. Charlie Grapewin, Uncle Henry, Clara Blandick was Auntie M, Auntie M, Auntie M, Auntie M. Terry, Terry the Terry, Terry the Toto. <laughs> Terry was a female Cairn Terrier, and she was Toto, and she was so cute. Yeah. She carried um, the movie for me. I love her. She is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that thing? <laughs> Too many stupid memes blending in my mind. But like, yes, girl. Give, I was going to say give us nothing, but she didn't give us nothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was the Lady Gaga one. Amazing, spectacular, wonderful, never the same. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. And that is our Toto girl. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is. Okay, we're we're getting sidetracked, but that's so. I, I was on Instagram and there was the. It's made me laugh like a stupid amount, but it, it was like someone at the beach yelling, "Ariel, where are you at, sis?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, into the waves. That I was died. so funny. Yeah, yeah, I sent that to my yeah at work. Yeah. I was just like, uh, my boss, incredible. My boss, Jez. We just send each other shit all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Anyway, so yeah, those are some some of the stats. It was it was made on a budget of two point eight million dollars. So at the time, it was MGM's most expensive feature, 
initially had a modest, modest success. So it earned 3 million, but that's very modest, but it didn't gain Mm. its gigantic, massive following until it began airing on CBS starting in 1956. Wow. Okay. So they, they began showing the film like every year. And that's that surprises me. I I thought it was like an instant cult classic. It wasn't. But yeah, it took took a decade or so. Yeah, they, yep. They re-released it in theaters like 10 years after 1949. And that's, it made a great deal of money then. It made up to, Mm. I don't have it written down, something like $79 million at that point. Holy cannoli. And then like, and then once they started showing it on CBS every, every year, I think it might've been every Christmas or something starting in 1956. That's how it became what we know it to be now. Mm. Um, And the same thing is true of It's a Wonderful Life. That wasn't really... (gasps) Really? Big, yeah, that wasn't a big success when it was released initially, wow. but then they started showing it on TV and it whoops, it became the classic it is today. So, wow. Thanks television. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of if you go on YouTube, there's there's a lot of material about the making of this film. So I watched it. It's like several hours worth, but Oh yeah. Worth, worth it for the research. So for when I watched this um there was a DVD release. I don't know how long ago it was, but there was a, a guy who did like commentary and he had done like one of the documentaries I watched. Mm. So his name's John Fricky. <laughs> That's an amazing name. Fricky. And he's like a historian of this movie specifically and Judy Garland. Okay. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He did the commentary. So I watched that entire thing. And then there's, um, there's a documentary that he hosted and it's about the actors who played the munchkins. Then there was the channel Be Kind Rewind. So she does a lot of cool old Hollywood stuff on YouTube. She did one about just the four different directors on this project. That okay. It was actually really interesting. And then there's one that was like, we've talked about Ben Mankiewicz, but he he was he works at TCM, but he introduced this documentary that Angela Lansbury hosted <gasps> like in 1990. And it was called like Wizard of Oz, 50 Years of Magic. And Oh, I was I like, love Angela Lansbury. And, Gosh. Well, yeah, and she talked about how her experience in, in theaters, and we know not long after that she worked with Judy. Yes. <laughs> which, is oh. wild, which is wild. She's like, well, I remember <gasps> seeing, she goes like, I remember seeing this in theaters when I was a girl. <laughs> and it was like seven years afterwards, she was working with Judy. Holy <laughs> cow. Talk about manifesting. Yeah, because like, she was like, wow. I think she was like 21 when she made a... Uh, Harvey girls. Yeah. So seven years before that, she would have been 14. So she would have wow. seen Wizard of Oz in theaters and then worked with Judy Garland. And- wow. Well, yeah. I love Angela Lansbury. If she told me to jump off a cliff, <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> as JB Fletcher or just as Angela? Just as, just as the Queen Angela. What right? about as Mrs. Potts? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, sis, let's think about it over a cup of tea. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I, wa- I like watched all this and I learned a lot and I took many, many That's notes, great. copious amount of notes. Oh, I, I really can't wait to learn more about this because like for my overall experience watching this now, like I was anxious the whole time. Yeah, you said. <laughs> I was. Um, I think I've told you before, Emily, too, like when we covered Black Swan, Oh no! that movie got my head so bad, no. but I love horror movies. You do I though. love fake gore like I like um the old universal monsters but there's something about this one in Black Swan where I'm like projecting my feelings too hard into the main character and like and it just freaks me out it's okay oh my gosh so we'll talk more you know as we go but yes (laughs) 
I'm, I, I'm anxious to learn because when you said you were <laughs> when you said you were anxious I was like oh because of the production history or just oh that too I, I like, <laughs> and for like I'm sure they didn't monitor the animal uh treatment I don't know maybe oh, they su- did oh but. surprisingly they, they did like better than some of the cast members so oh okay uh, ooh, we'll, we'll ooh. talk about we'll talk yeah about. oh I missed it it so it premiered, the movie premiered on August 10th, 1939 in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I was no like, offense, Wisconsin, but what? <laughs> what? what? And then, well, they must have been a preview, like a preview huh. screening. And oh, maybe okay. they were thinking like Midwest, whatever. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. And then, not Kansas. I know. I was like, the... Cause maybe because no one lives there. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then on, on August 15th, it premiered at Brownman's Chinese Theater, mm. legendary theater, where Judy's little handprints are there have you have you been to groundman's i've been there so i've got to put my hand in her little tiny oh my god she was so incredible she was so tiny yeah Yeah. if you you see it it's just her tiny tiny handprint and um her heel but her feet were so small that like you see like the you know like there's the foot of the heel and then the heel itself and it's just like this like wow she was so little um Mm. but and she that she placed her handprints in there um, on October 10th of that year, so not too long after okay. this premiered. And then it had a nationwide release starting on August 25th, 1939. So. Oh, wow, that's so neat. I'll have to travel there someday and just, yeah. you know, pay pay tribute. Yeah, the amazing we, Judy. Yeah, we love our Judy. All right, my queen. Yes, queen. So <laughs> are, are we just gonna dive right in? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. sepia tone credits we've got a, a cloud scrolling in the background and um, we go through you know the classic old hollywood style of going through the main themes of each song and the and like the credits come first mm-hmm. yeah so we're, we're instantly like immersed uh in the film and then they had an interesting dedication uh, that I oh, wanted yeah. to see what you think. So it says, for nearly 40 years, this story has given faithful service to the young in heart. Uh-huh. And time has been powerless to put its kindly philosophy out of fashion. To those of you who have been faithful to it in return, and to the young in heart, we dedicate this picture. Yeah, that was the one thing that they would cut. Like before, so this, this not the one thing they would cut, because they would shorten other things, but... So this became a part of the National Film Registry starting in 1989. Okay. Um, which means that it cannot be altered. <laughs> like oh, you, they can't okay. mess with it. So yeah, this was a that that little intro would they often cut it for television to for the runtime yep. to be shorter. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then yeah, so when when I was learning about it, listening to that commentary, yeah, he said that. Hmm. And then he's and then he's like the only like location the only sh- thing shot on location, like outside, mm-hmm. are those clouds. <laughs> yeah. That delights me he to said, no end. He said, "Those are real clouds, <laughs> but that's it. Everything, wow. else, everything else was in Culver City, okay. the Culver City soundstage, MGM's yeah. Culver City. So Which everything are else, gorgeous. Ma- but we'll talk about it. But everything yeah. else, matte paintings, rear projection. That was mm. like their only." <laughs> footage they shot on location of a real <laughs> of a real sky wow um and i mentioned some of the credits but uh we have to shout out our our the women we have behind the screen again or behind the screen but well i guess you could say sure yeah yeah so last 
time we we covered Harvey Girls, and I mentioned the Technicolor director was a woman named Natalie Kalmus, and she was also the Technicolor director on this movie. No way. Yep, seven years before. So that resonates, was, though. Like, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I never would have picked yeah. that up. And for that to be the wow. case, almost a hundred years ago, to have a woman being the technical mm-hmm. director of Technicolor, yeah. I'm like, wow. So you know, she must have been really exceptional for them to even notice <laughs> for to, to, for them to give a woman the opportunity to do that absolutely um, gosh and, and the, she really did an amazing job I know Technicolor. Wow. yeah it's beautiful and then there was the female writer of credit Florence Ryerson and a female editor so that's kind of a huge job yeah and Blanche Sewell or Sewell so definitely wanted to bring that up <laughs> That's amazing. Blanche is a great name too. Blanche. Must, I always, I'm always like, you must be Stanley every time I hear. Blanche. Oh, from a, uh, uh, Gone with the Wind. No, it's, that from? no, it's from a Streetcar Named Desire. Same actress. <gasps> oh, okay. Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee. And we will bring up Gone with the Wind because it's relevant. It is. Yeah. Connected to this movie in strange, unexpected ways. So. We've got to do some Vivian Lee work. Oh, I love. Oh her. my gosh. She's, she is, she's also another icon. She's a queen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah. So uh, we get an opening shot. Dorothy's running down this dusty, crusty country road. Sepia tones are thriving. And we're like, why, why is she running? And, you know, little adorable Toto is running along beside her. And, and she's like, she isn't coming yet, Toto. Did she hurt you? And we're like, ooh. Oh. <laughs> Who, who is Already. this about? <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed how efficient they are with the storytelling. Yeah, they keep the plot nice and tight. It's tight. It's mm-hmm. really, it's very, it's very well done. Yeah. Wait, before we go any further, have did, have you read the books or the original book? Um, no, I haven't. Have you? No. So it was funny when I was watching the documentary about the actors who portrayed the Munchkins. They were like none of them had heard of the wizard of oz oh wow they mm-hmm. like they didn't know about munchkins or anything um yeah and then but some you know some of the other actors had heard of it but i think at that point it was kind of like regarded as classic because it was like 1900 yeah. when he wrote it or when it was yeah released. frank l um b-a-u-m l, l frank l frank baum oh, yeah. thank you l yeah. frank baum yeah he wrote it and I think the first one came out in like 1900. He died in mm-hmm. 1919, but he, so he Aww. wrote, he wrote and released 14. There are 40 books in the Oz. Wow. Why do yeah. I want to read all those immediately? <laughs> yeah. oh. You might want to, but they did change quite a bit. Like, mm. so the, the writer, the screenwriter that had kind of the, he was most significant in the writing process. So he wrote more of this. I don't know. That means he just wrote more of the script, developed it more, whatever. Noel Langley, it was his idea to make the make it so that the Oz characters all had like real world counterparts. So the, oh, yeah. okay. So yeah. it was his idea for the like the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Lion to all have like real world counterparts as the farmhands and like Miss mm-hmm. Gulch. That was his idea. And it was also like, it's crazy. I mean, this movie came out in 1939. I mean, not too long after the Great Depression. And we know this wow. is right before World War II. So I guess that the studio thought that in the book, I think everything's literal. Like this really happens yeah. to her. She gets sucked into the tornado and she gets transported to Oz. But they were like, 
this one they didn't think it'd be palatable for an audience that had just ah. I don't know that had just been through the Great Depression so they were like oh it's yeah. a fantasy like like so they wanted Dream to offer a sequence yeah they wanted to offer escapism but they didn't think people would buy into the fact that like all this really happened mm. that, that really disappointed me as a kid Oh, that and it Dorothy wakes happen. up. She's like, it was, yeah. it was all a dream. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why yeah. did you do this? They to changed me? that. They changed that. And then, um, and I guess in the book, like it, she, it, it immediately happens. Like I think it's like two pages in, and the turn, like the twister comes. So oh, okay. yeah, there's you wasted no time yeah, there. There's not much setup. Yeah, and I think that was a pretty genius uh, visual and literary tool to have. Mm-hmm. You know, the actors. You know, as yeah. as Dorothy. You know, she's here. We meet. Auntie M, Uncle, whatever. What's his Henry. name? Henry. Henry. Thanks. Henry. Yeah. Oh, that's my dog's name. I should have remembered that. Yeah. Um. She meets oh, yeah. three farm hands. So um, Hunk. <laughs> Hunk. Yeah, is, Hunk. Like, it's funny because he's the skinny little Ray Bolger. <laughs> yeah. And his name's Hunk. Oh. And Bert Lar is Zeke, so probably short for Ezekiel. <laughs> and then oh, okay. Jack Haley is Hick, the farm hand, and he's the Tin Man. Yeah. And we also meet Miss Gulch, who I, well, <laughs> as a child, I just hated her so much. Oh, she's, she was scary. Oh, so scary. Both as Mrs. Miss Gulch. Miss Gulch. And yeah. When she takes the dog away, that, like, I freaked, <gasps> like, as a child, I would just cry and cry. Yeah. And Judy's so good when she, oh, we talked you feel about, it. we talked about how great she is at crying. But yeah, every she time she, so well. every time she cries in a movie, anytime, I just, cry <laughs> I know I'm like who hurt you Judy I'll get him yep. <laughs> yeah so yeah you know our character you know Judy's character she is trying to tell her aunt and uncle who are you know working on this farm trying to keep things In going Kansas, yeah. like hey Miss Gulch like hurt my dog Toto yeah and she's like gonna come after him and they're like girl we're busy and I was like, this is where I was really like attaching to her, where I was like, why is no one listening to her? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, we meet our three farmhands and they each, you know, say a line that has to do with the heart, yeah, the courage, the- and the brain. Yep. Which is significant. Um, what did you think when Miss Judy fell into the pig's the pig oh, corral? Pig that star? could that could be a horror movie right there, Crystal. Because <laughs> you could, I mean, pigs will eat you. I mean, <laughs> You, they will. you think no, like pigs will eat anything they'll eat people <laughs> like i don't think they'd maul her to death but if there was a dead body they'd eat it oh my god i'm just picturing <laughs> that's a horror <laughs> movie where someone's like could clearly get away but they're just laying they're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah these pigs slowly nibble <laughs> i'd that's, watch that that's another stupid thing it's hilarious that, well do you remember that dumb movie it's like trolls too where the kids like they're eating her now they're going to eat me <laughs> no i haven't seen that okay well, it's terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh wait. Uh, speaking of Black Swan, that you know what? I wonder if who's who's our director, Darren Aronofsky. Mm. I don't know if he was influenced by this, but maybe because like in that well, in that movie, everyone has a counterpart as well. Oh, Remember? Ooh, yes. Everyone has like like a counterpart from the from the fantasy land of the, yeah, the ballet like black sexy swan. bad mila kunis and she's the like black swan natalie the white swan. winona is like the dying swan mm. and then the, yeah everyone has a counterpart so i was like this feels i don't know <laughs> hi that's a great question so uh basically she gets brushed off a million times yep. <laughs> and um auntie m says something that kind of sends her into this re- reflective state 
and then Judy sings what, Emily? Oh my god. <sighs> so Judy sings the song that would kind of define her singing career. Yes. Like this was the beginning of a very long, turbulent life and career. Um, there were highs, of course, and there were many lows. Yes. So this song uh, is iconic. So it's somewhere over the rainbow. And uh, and in the book, I mentioned that there's like two pages before this twister happens. So like yeah. not much. So there isn't much space. But in those like two or so pages, the, the author, um, L. Frank Baum, uses the word gray like nine times. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So when the writers of the song, the songs for the for the film, uh, I mentioned them there. Harold Arlen did the music, and the lyrics were by his writing partner F. Y. Harburg. Arlen, so the one writing the the music itself, he was having a hard time because he knew he wanted a number here. He knew he wanted something, you know, something that would with some interiority. Mm, and they okay. were both ex- yeah. they were both excited at the prospect of writing music for a. a a story rather than just songs because there you know there would be I mean musicals had existed but they would kind of be like radio hits almost like jukebox music jukebox musicals jukebox musicals but written <laughs> 10 times yeah, fast <laughs> jukebox musicals yeah so there you know there would be I'm gonna guess I think Showboat came out in the 20s right so yeah there, I mean like the Gershwins right yeah where like the lyrics no, 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 I'm not, this is not a slight against the, the Gershwins. They wrote their, many of their pieces, their songs are in the Great American Songbook, but mm. a lot of the songs would be like, the lyrics would kind of be generic enough to where it, it could be divorced from the story, right? But these two writers, again, Arlen and Harburg were excited to write for an actual story so that the word, like it was in character. They're writing to develop a character they're writing to advance the story. So very Sondheim, like very ahead of its time to where they were like, no, this actually like, this is important to the character. It's not just something that we can hopefully like cross promote and put on the radio. <laughs> although it did oh, be, yeah. although it did become a huge, I mean, iconic song, but yeah. they were excited to write for the character. So Harold Arlen was, was trying to, he was just kind of like racking his brains. Like he couldn't think of, of what to do or, um, but then his, his, the story, the way he tells it, it's so good. Um, it's, I don't remember which documentary it was in, but he's like, they were in LA, they were driving to the famous uh, Schwab's drugstore, you know, where mm-hmm. all the, star, the stars would hang out. And as we drove by Schwab's drugstore, I said, pull over. And uh, we stopped. And I took out my uh, little piece of manuscript and put down what you know now is over the rainbow. Of course, it needed Mr. Harburg's lyric. He said that all of a sudden he was like, stop the car, stop the car. Mm. And like, so Harburg stopped the car and he, he like, the melody just came to him. Oh and my gosh. Yeah. So, and in his words, like <clears throat> the, since, since in the book, like every, everything about Kansas is just gray. Like the people are gray, mm. that everything is gray, the landscape. His idea was that the only color in her life came from the rainbow. Oh. So doesn't that just make it strikes my heart? An arid, colorless place, almost 
No flowers there because it's so dry. The only thing in her life that was colorful at that point was, I thought, the rainbow. It was the only thing of color that she had ever seen. So I said, I must have a song with rainbow in it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I so really cute. like that. The song is Somewhere Over the Rainbow is pure magic. Like, it is. I, that's backstory. Oh, it just, it really, really tugs at my heart for Did some you cry? reason. Well, um, I cried when she started singing it. I, oh, I, I, I didn't cry, but I, I felt, you yeah, know, like where your yeah. heart swells and yeah. I was just sobered instantly. Like, yeah, you're watching something unique Magical. and you can feel it. You can feel it's how magical it is. Yes. And, and it, Judy sparkles. Like she has this yeah. natural charisma. Her face. It's timeless. It's eternal. Yes. It's ma- it's magical. Like you have to see it. Everyone. Yes. Even if it's just this part. Like yeah, if, if, you YouTube know, it. Like, yeah. If there is a time capsule, like if there's something we wanted to leave behind for aliens, like this would have to be. Yeah. One no, of for the real. Like but, I. Yeah. Absolutely where there isn't any trouble. You suppose there is such a place, Toto? There must be. It's not a place you can get to by a boat or a train. It's far, far away. Behind the moon. Beyond the rain. it's magic. It's pure magic. Um, and like, so I don't know, maybe now would be the time to talk about the fact that this movie had four different directors. So Mm. they started, so like the producer was Mervyn Leroy. I want, whenever I hear his name, I want to say Mervyn Leroy. Yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. He was a big shot producer and Hmm. he had Judy in mind for this. Like that's the one he wanted. Yeah. It was like conceived for her. The songs were written for her. And there, like, there was a brief time when, like, Shirley Temple was considered for like three days, but oh. she she was like ten at the time, and they were think they didn't think that her voice was strong enough. Mm. Which I'm like, I'm I was thinking, why would they care? Because they dubbed people all the time, but yeah, right, they, yeah. they really were fans of Judy Mervyn wow. Leroy because she had been like on the circuit like, from the time she was two, two years old. Oh, so there's man. no time that she couldn't remember performing and earning money oh I, that that makes me yeah. sad yeah she was two years old and on vaudeville yeah. with her sisters the gum sisters mm-hmm. they eventually changed their name to the garland sisters and judy changed her name from francis to judy and uh, actually uh, the main cast they were all from vaudeville so judy was in vaudeville ray bolger vaudeville bert Lahr, and yeah. then jack haley all came from vaudeville yeah, <laughs> yeah so what was I talking about? Oh yeah, the yes, the director. So they started out. Get my notes. It was a chaotic production. Back in the day, I was learning on the Be Kind Rewind channel. She she was like, the producers were kind of the like the powers that be. They had more 
creative control input than the directors of oh. the film. Hmm. Yeah, so they I, they would select the director and tell the director what they wanted. So okay, yeah. So Mervyn Leroy, they started out with, "Where's my list of directors? I took so many notes." So the first director was Robert Thorpe, and he was kind of like a journeyman director. I don't know why the producer went with this guy. What's a journeyman director? Just kind of like, just gets the job done. Oh. Like not a auteur, just kind of like, they just like, okay. they just get the job done and probably do what the producer wants. He was only on the project for like two weeks before he got <gasps> fired because the the producer said that he wasn't, what did he say? Something like, you're not thinking like a child, like I need you to. Weird burn, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he was canned after like two weeks and I, I don't know if anything he shot actually shows up in the movie the next director that was only on for like maybe less than a week because he was just kind of like I don't know he was keeping like the interim boat. yeah he was interim he was keeping the boat afloat before they got the man who ended up shooting the bulk of the movie and he was a famous director George Cukor do you know who George Cukor was? no Mm-mm. legendary director he was known as a woman's director which was kind of used as like it was derogatory at the time because he would direct quote-unquote women's pictures and he worked well with actresses okay so being civil to women is okay he was known Mm -hmm. to get he was known to get terrific performances wow he worked with no he worked with Catherine Hepburn closely Greta Garbo Judy obviously and he directed yeah. he directed a movie we have to cover called The Women. Okay. Wow. And, and he was gay. Like it was an open mm. it was an open secret that George Cukor was gay. But he was still able to work. Like as long I guess as long I'm as so he did he Yeah, he was blacklisted or anything. No, I think he was arrested a couple of times, Jesus. but like people came through for him. So mm. um, and like probably pulled some strings so he didn't end up in jail. But he worked he was known for just working really well with actresses specifically. And he actually worked on Marilyn Monroe's last movie that was never released. So she, special. Her, her last film that never was finished, it was called Something's Got Gotta Give. And he, I mean, he shot a good deal of it. And you can see footage of it online, mm-hmm. of Marilyn's last unfinished project. And Sid Charisse was in it. <laughs> Yeah. We love Sid Charisse. We love Sid Charisse. Yeah, she was in it. Never finished. Marilyn died. So yeah. he also, so here comes the first connection to Gone with the Wind. He he left like a few days in hmm. because they needed him on Gone with the Wind. Oh, okay. Got it. But this is only the first of two of the four directors in this that ended up working on Gone with Jeez, the Wind. Jeez, wow. Yeah, so that was being made at the same time as this <gasps> movie, which is wow, crazy. two mega hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, but he was the one who was like, he he worked closely with Judy and he was the one who was like, remember, you're a girl from Kansas. You're just a simple girl because I guess he didn't like the way she had been directed which was, he, he said in his words, what did you say? Fancy schmancy. So oh, okay. kind of like affected and just like a starlet. They had okay. her in this blonde wig, like a very long <gasps> wig, curly, heavy, heavy MGM makeup. And he, <sighs> and he was like, no. Um, oh, thank the Lord. He was like, no, change that wig. <laughs> so she got the famous Auburn wig we now know Dorothy for, like the red. Oh, that's a brown. wig? Oh yeah, that's I didn't hair. know that. Yeah, 
yeah so he changed that he changed the dress before it was some it was kind of like a little party dress because of his feedback adrian famous costume designer adrian who did all the costumes for this he came up with that gingham gingham dress uh changed the makeup took a lot of the makeup off and and like told her to just act like he said be yourself because judy was a midwest midwestern girl oh wow so his input really helped her and then he went to go work on Gone with the Wind. And he's like, and, well, bye. <laughs> yep. Then Victor Fleming came in and we can talk a little bit more about him, but he shot most of the movie. He shot all of the Oz stuff. Oh, so okay. everything in so, color, he shot. Q-Core was Kansas. No, he didn't even, I don't know if oh, he, he shot. Even... He just like huh. gave creative feedback and was like, he gave direction to Judy. Direction. Okay. And and then so yeah, Victor Fleming shot all of the Oz stuff, which was shot before all the Kansas. So mm-hmm. everything is usually films are never ever shot in sequence. So yeah, right. all of the Oz stuff is shot first, and then Victor Fleming. Guess where he went? Where you gone with the wind? Oh my god! <laughs> because <laughs> because George Cukor got called over to do Gone with the Wind. Yeah, Clark, Clark Gable did not like him. <gasps> And oh, I don't know if it was personality clash, maybe. Well, yeah, because like Hugh was like we said, he was known for loving his actresses, and yeah. maybe Clark Gable felt neglected, or, or he mm. just didn't like. Clark Gable was known for being like a macho, macho man. Mm. I don't know if there was macho, homophobia. There, macho yeah, man. There could have been homophobia too. I don't know, but he yeah. did not. He would like refuse to speak to George Cukor, and so <laughs> George. Cucor didn't stay on that film very long. And then, so then they brought Victor Fleming over from Wizard of Oz. From Wizard of Oz. Why so, they be stealing all the Oz yeah. directors, man? So they took Victor Fleming and he was already like best friends with Clark Gable. They they like oh, went they like went big game hunting together. Oh so, no. Yeah. This was the 30s and Ugh. like yeah. So they Gross. were like macho men, whatever. So he was like, No, I'm not gonna work with George Cucor. I want Victor Fleming. So they took Victor Fleming from <laughs> Wizard of Oz moved him to Gone with the Wind, where he okay. so he is he is the director of record for two of the biggest movies of all time, like wow. most. Famous. So some you know, like he wanted to call it Somewhere Over the Rainbow, <laughs> Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind. Hmm. So then they wow. got an, another director, fine, you know, fourth director comes in. His name is King Vidor, and he does all oh. of the Kansas stuff, all of the stuff. That's oh, he's the white. Kansas guy. Okay, and they shot for I think three weeks at the mm-hmm. very end. And the thing that he innovated was like. For musical numbers before you know up to this point there was kind of just like a it was called park and bark where the singer would just stand there and sing like oh it comes from opera what do you mean like oh okay stand there yeah. and sing like there's no movement nothing's uh, happening nothing nothing's going on so that was yeah. just kind of the style and so he wanted movement this was like crazy mm-hmm. innovative at the time to make for the camera to move yes. so the camera is moving around judy and she's wow. moving yeah and like famously the num it was almost cut because the I don't I don't think it was Mervyn Leroy because he loved Judy, but I test audiences or people were saying like this is slowing the story down. Mm-hmm. And like some of the, the feedback, the most ridiculous feedback they got was that it was undignified for an MGM star to sing in a barnyard. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a weird <laughs> thing to say. So this song was almost cut. And then <sighs> poor Judy, who is always like very self-deprecating yeah in later years said that oh the powers that be didn't want they said something like they spent too much time on the little fat girl singing (gasps) oh judy no that was judy they she was she was treated very poorly 
yeah by a lot and, of people yeah in her life yes yeah on this film surprisingly not the worst she was ever treated she you know was able to sleep and eat and Good. she had okay. she had to go to school at the time like four hours <gasps> okay um, yeah and this was like because and a lot of the the footage like from the documentaries liza talks about her daughter Liza. Liza Minnelli so yeah she said this was a very happy time in her mom's oh, life oh well that's that does me good to hear like she loved making this movie and she uh, was she was still a child but it was like a bright spot in her life oh, um good so that made me happy to hear like oh yeah. it could have been worse yeah she people were you know all these older male executives saying the worst things about her like to mm-hmm. her face and and but it was still like for her, one of the more positive experiences she had working in film. Go Judy. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And this became her signature song for like the next 30 years. Anytime she sang a concert, it wouldn't be complete without this. Like the audience would just freak out if she didn't sing Somewhere oh. <laughs> Over the Rainbow. <laughs> I wonder if she got sick of it. Maybe. Um, oh, I can tell you there's this great story that Liza Minnelli tells. I'm just going to have to include it where she said that they were at some rest stop in probably California. Well, we, what happened was we were in someplace crazy like Lake Tahoe. And we went into the ladies' room. There was an old drunk lady in there. And it was just, you know, with <laughs> the sequin straps and one of those dames. And um, she said, oh, Judy, you're terrific. You're Judy, the rainbow. you got to always remember the rainbow. Then when she went into one of the stalls, the lady knocked on the door. She said, yes. She said, Judy, never forget the rainbow. God, it's helped me through so many crises. Well, Mama came back. Then she went up to her. The lady went up to Mama and said, I just wanted to say hello. And Mama looked at her and said, hi. Right? Which made me start to giggle. Now, and she's going on and on and on about the rainbow and about this and that and what a dear little girl and how it's this, this, this. And as we're going out, she had on this incredible long feathered boa somebody had given her as a present, which was way too big for her because she was tiny, you know. She came up to here on me. And um, the last thing that this lady said again was, don't forget the rainbow, Judy. And Mama turned and <laughs> threw the boa around herself and she said, how can I forget the rainbow? I've got rainbows up my ass. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure she. She's did. amazing. But she oh, did. God. She did. She did also write a letter to the songwriter saying this is like her song. Like this, mm. she said it was the song that was like closest to her. Wow. So we'll we'll include a little clip of her. I think well maybe from one of her performances at the palace or something. But of her. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her signature song. Oh, what a voice watch already it. at that age. Yeah. If, yeah. If you're going to watch anything from this movie, watch that number. As you can tell, oh, passengers, <laughs> like originally I was like, Kristen, you go through the plot and then like <laughs> I'll comment. But like I took so many notes from everything I learned that are, it's so interesting to me that I don't know. Like, what do you think? I mean, anyone who's listening to this, maybe you're probably familiar with the plot already. But basically, right. Dort, like, if we're going to encapsulate the plot, what happens, Kristen? Do- okay. Oh, God, I don't know. Like, Dorothy, okay. So, <laughs> well, Dor- we can keep a- going through it. Okay, I'm sure. enjoying I, okay. I mean, I'm fine with it. But, but in, a, like, in, like, two sentences, Dorothy Gale, a Dorothy girl has from a concussion. rural Kansas, gets sucked <laughs> into a twister. Well, she, she, there's a twister. She gets smacked in the head with, with a window or something, passes out, dreams that she's transported to a magical land 
of Oz where there are munchkins and witches and enchanted scarecrows and tin man and a lion. And in order to get back home, she has to get to the wizard. She has to get to the wizard of Oz who lives in the Emerald city. And so they encounter dangers and opposition from the wicked witch of the West. And they eventually make it to the Emerald city. And he tells, he tells them that they have to get the broom of the wicked witch. Mm -hmm. In the book, he says, you have to kill her. <laughs> in this Whoa! movie, they said, just give me her broom. Again, the, okay, wait, no. They, they, were, they were oddly comfortable with murder in the land of Oz. <laughs> yep. And so, oh yeah, we forgot the part where she accidentally killed the Wicked Witch's sister. Oopsie, Witch yeah, the of the East. The house landed on her and she got the magical ruby slippers. Anyway, so they, they go and they... <laughs> It, it's like an accident she like accidentally kills the witch by throwing water <laughs> on her because they didn't i'm guessing they just didn't want to make her a murderer yeah so they're, they're just like still innocent yeah like oh she didn't know like pouring water was gonna kill the witch <laughs> <laughs> and then they get the broom and they go back to the wizard of oz and he's and he like refuses to give them what they wanted and she like calls him out on his bullshit and then toto goes over and reveals that the wizard of oz is just a guy pulling levers and stuff and I was like holy shit how did this get in a movie in the 30s because the allegorical value yes. here of like the church capital c or like religion or whatever mm -hmm. like god. god yeah I was like how was this allowed <laughs> anyway and so he's all embarrassed and then he rewards each of them with the thing they were on the quest for mm. so we had the scarecrow and he wanted a brain and the tin man wanted a heart and the cowardly lion wanted courage and dorothy just wants to go home she wants yeah. to go home and then the, the so he's like oh sure i'll take you on my balloon and then and then wait <laughs> is keeping that in case i need to escape <laughs> is toto the one who like unleashes the balloon is no he he runs away and dorothy goes after him okay and then the and balloon then starts flying away her three companions accidentally let go of the rope oh. which is so funny the tin man he's like unwinding it like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah and then yeah, yeah he floats away and, the then, and she's like away. she's like no and then and she's like crying and, and it's upsetting and then yeah. the good witch shows up and is like stupid glinda she's like lol actually you could have got, <laughs> you you got home whenever you wanted and oh, then and then <laughs> scarecrow's like why didn't you tell her that in the first place yeah. And then she's like, she never would have believed me. You don't need to be helped any longer. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. What have you learned, Dorothy? Well, I think that it, that it wasn't enough just to want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And it's that... If I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard. Because if it isn't there, I never really lost it to begin with. Is that right? That's all it is. But that's so easy. I should have thought of it for you. I should have felt it in my heart. No, she had to find it out for herself. Now those magic slippers will take you home in two seconds. Oh, total two? Total two. Uh, no whenever you wish yeah she like, had to learn well, she had to learn and then herself. yeah and then judy delivers a great line we'll talk about it later but she talks about what it means to be home and yeah 
And then the famous line, there's so many famous lines from this, but she's like, just click your heels together and say, there's no place like home. There's, there's no, no place, place like, like home. home. No place. Oh, and she has a tearful goodbye from her with her companion. Yeah. Are you ready now? Yes. Say goodbye, Toto. Yes, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes. Tap your heels together three times and think to yourself, there's no place like home. 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 And then she clicks her heels and then she wakes up and she's back in Kansas and it's back in sepia tone and Toto is there. And there's again, the famous part where and you were there and you were there and you were there. Yeah. It wasn't a dream. It was a place. And you, and you, and you, and you were there. Oh, <laughs> But you couldn't have been, could you? Well, we dream lots of silly things when we... No, Ellen. This was a real, truly live place. And I remember that some of it wasn't very nice, but most of it was beautiful. But just the same, all I kept saying to everybody was, I want to go home. And they sent me home. <laughs> Doesn't anybody believe me? Of course we believe you, though. Oh, but anyway, Toto, we're home. Home. And this is my room. And you're all here. And I'm not going to leave here ever, ever again. Because I love you all. There's no place like home. Her auntie M is there. My best friend growing up was a little boy named David, and his dad always called me Auntie M. <laughs> oh, cute. Yeah. I like that. You were there, and you were there, you were there. And then Frank Morgan, who played the Professor Marvel, the like charlatan snake oil salesman, that like, <laughs> Steve, like he shows up and she's like, You too. <laughs> Like, you're the wizard. And then she's like, the last line of the movie is, there's no place like home. Um, that's the movie. That's, that's, in, in, that's the in movie. a nutshell. In a yep. nutshell. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, woo. <laughs> it's quite the ride. Yeah, yeah, it is quite the ride. But it's a musical, so there's, like, yes. great songs. Oh, yeah. And there's comedy. There's a lot of heart. And the scariest witch of all time. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the witch now or do you want yeah. to? Yeah. Like, okay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about her and then let's talk about Glinda because I feel like watching LOL. her as an adult, I just felt so <laughs> different of her than when I was a kid. But um, yeah, so Margaret Hamilton, she plays the Wicked Witch of the West and Miss Gulch, aka the fussy, wealthy neighbor of Auntie M. And- Old maid, which was like <laughs> anathema, which is like, oh my God, like you're not married. <laughs> Her uh, her entrance into the film is also iconic. 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 She's on a bicycle. She's With got her, a little basket. Her theme music. It's so good. And her back is ramrod straight as she's biking over to the farm. She's got this hat. Like, she just looks severe. Her hair is pulled back in a bun, plain dress. And she basically has a legal order to seize Toto 
Yes! To have him quote-unquote destroyed. Yes! And I'm distraught. Judy's distraught. No, I was like, that still upsets me. Yeah. She's just crying, and they're like... They took her dog, and, yeah. you know, I think her aunt and uncle know their hands are tied, but... Oh, Aunt M, you know, she tries to be like, you know, I've never liked you all these years, and I want to tell you a piece of my mind, but I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian woman, so I'm I can't. A Christian woman. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, uh, Margaret Hamilton, uh, I believe, Emily, since you were researching, tell us more about her green makeup. Oh, so I don't know. We'll get to the makeup. No one said anything about the green makeup in the... In the, in the all commentary? the commentary. I was like, what? Okay. Well, let's just talk about Margaret Hamilton. Okay. So she was the third choice for the witch. Okay. She was, do you want to guess how old she was? It's, it's gonna I don't upset, know. It's gonna upset you. Okay. How old how, was she? How young she was. I don't know. 36. <gasps> okay. She was not much older than us when yeah. she was a wicked witch. She was 30, 36 year old character actress, Margaret Hamilton. Before there were two other actresses they wanted before her. One of them, this was like funny when they showed the footage. So there's another actress named Gail Sondergaard, and she had won um, an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress the year before. But they did some tests with her, but she was considered too attractive. Oh. And they didn't want to, and she didn't want to be ugly. But like the thought was that, okay, so this movie came out, this was kind of, kind of in response to Snow White. Because that that was a film that Disney came out. That had oh, they, they animated Disney yeah, film? the classic okay. Snow White mm-hmm. and the Seven Dwarves. And it was like a huge, massive hit. It was mm. considered a work of art, and it is. But they MGM wanted their own Snow White. They wanted their own me- mega success. Oh. So they liked the fact that the evil stepmother was hot in that. So oh. they, they wanted to take a similar approach with the Wicked Witch. And so there's <laughs> definitely footage of her. Be, like, I called it the Yassified <laughs> Yas. Incredible. But then it must have been Mervyn Leroy who was like, no, absolutely not. And then wow. so. They made Gail's- it more fairy tale-ish. Gail Sondergaard was like, I don't want to be ugly. So hmm. they, they were like, fine. <laughs> um, and so they they gave uh, Margaret Hamilton a call. And she when she recounts the story, it's so funny. So I'd done about six pictures for MGM by that time. And uh, one day my agent called and said, uh, Maggie said, they're really kind of interested in you. And I said, what for? He said, uh, they're sort of interested in you. Uh, for a part in The Wizard of Oz. And I said, oh, gosh, think of that. I said, I loved that story from the time I was four years old. What is it? And he said, well, the witch. And I said, (laughs) the witch? (laughs) And he said, then he said the final thing. He said, yes, what else? (laughs) Because she had been known for playing, like, old maids, whatever. Oh, Um, got it. Okay. But she gained immortality making this Oh, yeah. So she went in and she was the one who was most seriously injured in this production mm. as well. Yeah, I read a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to make sure because it was from Wikipedia. So I don't I didn't check my sources. So but she, apparently she is just was just the nicest lady. The mm. actors who played the munchkins loved her. <laughs> oh, that's great. They loved her a lot. And she was considered like they cut a number of her lines because she was just too terrifying Wow! because you were telling me you were terrified of her right oh yeah she I used to have bad dreams about her when I was a kid yeah 
I, she she's was, amazing. She's just oh, so good. Like the, she has like the, the fingers. Hands. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and wow. The green. Yeah. We were both of us were talking. Were we all? I don't know if we were off mic, but yeah, like we, I was Googling. I was like, was this the origin of the green witch? And it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the book, we talked about that. She wasn't described as having green skin. Oh, really? That was the studio. <laughs> that was this. And I was like, I was like, why was it? tech because like technicolor they were like oh it'd be so rad <laughs> yeah it, everything had to be it, she was green and like color yeah. yeah and then the ruby slippers were silver in the book but they were like ruby <gasps> shows up better on film and oh, okay. in te- technicolor and so weird like, to think about these choices yeah. that are like canon to us ruby, <laughs> slipper, ruby slippers and maybe yeah. they thought it would just look cool to have her be green it is it because she's green with envy i just don't know oh and yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. did with with her nose and, and stuff and her so chin the pointed chin i love when when dorothy's in her delirium and you see miss gulch in the twister on her bicycle <laughs> and she turns into the witch it's so good yeah that was amazing with her black cloak whipping in the wind it's so good it's so good yeah, but yeah she did get hurt like the most serious there were like a number of injuries and hospitalizations in this production Oof. so the the most serious incident was when the part where she disappears into the, the flame when at the big in munchkin land yeah, you're talking when, she, about? yeah. yeah when she shows yeah. up and she's like I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too and then she like disappears so there was a little elevator shaft that she goes down when all that orange smoke comes up and mm-hmm. there are literal flames that you see going up <laughs> yep she was fine like the first few takes they did or what and then but then the last one where she got seriously hurt the timing was off or something she got burned really badly Ooh, on her, her hand and her face and so <sighs> she was in the hospital for a bit and then another serious injury happened when her double was on the broom so they were shooting like close-ups of them on this broom that was probably on wires or whatever Mm -hmm. from behind because it was her body double and there's like smoke that would come out of the broom and these are all in-camera practical effects so everything is literally happening yeah so whatever apparatus they were using to create all that smoke and steam blew up (gasps) and the one her double went like flying Oh, and landed in the, and was in the hospital so oh my gosh there were more hospitalizations no one died but Thank there goodness. were some like serious injuries on them. yeah I mean it seems even just watching it it seems a little unsafe at times makeup <sighs> the makeup too the like uh, lead or something in a lot of the makeup or copper or something yeah she had copper in her oh, in her wee. makeup which was dangerous when that got all hot when the fire yeah. hit her face Oof. and then they originally had a different actor for the tin man and i immediately recognized him when they showed him in this documentary as you've seen breakfast at tiffany's right mm-hmm. he so the actor's name was buddy epson but he played doc so the husband oh, that yeah yeah the husband that she uh, away audrey from. hepburn leaves behind that yeah, Holly Gl- yeah. I was like that guy, Whoa. but this is many years before. So he was like another, va- another vaudeville veteran who was like 30 years old. Wow. But he was the first choice, but the tin makeup was literal tin or no, it was aluminum dust they put on him. And oh, he got great. He got so sick. Like he almost died. Oh my God. They put him like yeah. in an oxygen tank and then yeah, they almost killed him. And so they got, they ended up, I don't know what happened. They were like too impatient to wait for him to get better. So they hired oh. Jack. They hired Jack Haley, and so instead of putting dust all over him that he was inhaling, they had an aluminum paste that they put on oh, him. Oh, okay. Jeez. So he didn't have this suffer the same 
ill side effects or consequences, but it did get into his eye at one point oh, and man. like seriously infected his eye. Oof. Like yeah. they had like rubber masks and like tons and tons of makeup. And the guy who played the lion, Bert Lar, his costume was like over 50 pounds. <gasps> it was, it was made of real it lion. Like it. it was made of real lion skins. Because oh, this was this was the 30s. So yeah. that you know, women are wearing fur all the time. Yeah. And they stuffed it with like mattress stuffing. And he was just like they would peel <gasps> but he must have been roasting. They would peel it off him and he would just be drenched. Um, Oof, how miserable. And like couldn't eat. And and they talked about how hot the set was, like all the people that remember it. There were like it was in the Culver City lot, which was huge, gigantic set. Uh-huh. But they had like 150 arc lights just like beaming Oof. down to shoot techni- in Technicolor. And mm-hmm. it, they used so much electricity that they caused a brownout in that area. Oh. And it was so hot. Like people would just pass out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. I'm like, where's like <laughs> OSHA? I just, <laughs> I'm surprised no one died during the making I, of this movie. Goodness. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So Judy recounts it like fondly for the most part, but like in in some of the interviews, like Jack Haley was like, no, this was awful. Like this was like not a fun experience for me, but they, they loved the fact that it became immortal and they were like immortalized in it, but the shooting shooting of it, the movie itself, they were saying. (laughs) It was more dangerous than going through Oz. (laughs) Yeah. So Glinda, Emily. You, yeah. Tell me her. Her dress is life-changing. It's enormous, <laughs> fluffy, pink, sparkly with stars. Oh, it's so beautiful. It gave me life, um, cleared my skin, <laughs> healed my depression. You know, it was everything. So, you know who the designer was, right? I think Adrian. You said it earlier. Adrian, yeah, 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 yeah. Another one of our designers that goes by one name. So his name was Gilbert, Gilbert Adrian, but he just went by Adrian and he did all the costumes for this. Um, he, he measured each person, each of the actors that played the munchkins, he individually, like he measured them and made, and and they all got their own custom made cost costumes that he designed, but they were saying the only remade costume was Glinda's. Really? They why remade, is that? He remade a gown. Like he didn't make it fresh. Oh, I don't know why, but he made he, so like they took another gown and he just modified it from another oh. movie instead of like making it fresh. It doesn't mean I it's mean, not awesome because it yeah. is. But okay, he yeah. Her dress and the actress was her name was Billy Burke and she was like fifty four at the time or something. You're kidding. She's like 53. Okay, more power to her. Like, and I'm wondering if the reason she got the part was because she was married to Lee Ziegfeld. Like, oh, yeah. Ziegfeld. Good old nepotism or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. yeah, she, I think she kind of resonated as this like warm matron, not matronly is kind of negative connotation. So maybe maternal, yeah, uh, nurturing and this light high voice. Yeah. Um, which is in direct contrast to the Wicked Witch, <laughs> who's like coarse and scowling and in dark colors. And you can't help but think of, you know, that dichotomy is like commentary on, you know, well, female roles. Well, and... remember when Judy is like, I've never heard of a beautiful witch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Glinda is like, Glinda's just like, only bad witches are ugly. And I was, I know, like, I was oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not surprised to hear it. Well, and so I had beef this time with Glinda because 
first she baits the wicked witch she's like what about the slippers i know she goes over snatches them out from <laughs> under her nose puts them on dorothy's feet without her consent and then makes dorothy a target yeah. for the wicked witch which i mean you know we need that to make the plot go forward but yeah. glinda she's more messed up than the wicked witch like yeah and even the wicked witch is like i don't want to kill you she's like just give me the shoot she's like <laughs> yeah she goes there no that's all you. i want <laughs> yeah, she goes there no use to you give me the shoes and yeah she's like no <laughs> too funny oh my god it, it, but i mean you know i'm saying this you and know she's pissed because her sister got murdered so yeah right <laughs> and Kalinda's just like oh well <laughs> it's definitely you know that fairy tale childhood perspective where things are a little more black and white yeah and you don't really have to have things make sense like it is yeah. a dream sequence in this film and um <laughs> speaking of that you know like the all the horse of a different color in yep. Emerald City every shot the horse is I mean it's a different horse probably just a yeah. different color and um, I read that it was jello powder. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because so the ASPCA existed in 1939. Oh, so they were okay. like, there was concern for the welfare of the horses because they weren't going to paint the horses. So they used what was essentially like Kool Aid powder, like gel. They mixed it in a big tub, like a kiddie pool. <laughs> and so, so you can see one of the horses licking himself. Oh, really? <laughs> Because it's just sugar. They're just covered in sugar. Yes. Because all these effects Hilarious. had to be in camera, which is yeah. crazy. Like, they were practical effects. The The most impressive one is probably the Twister, which oh, was... Oh, it looks It's looks so good. Yeah. So it was a 30-foot-long muslin tube. Wow. That it was, like, swinging. They had, like, swinging from the ceiling, and they had wind machines dust kicking up and so all, when you see it it's all rear projected behind the actors so i know when we did i was harvey, wondering about that i know when we did harvey girls i used the term green screen there was no green screen back then it was they mm. rear projected the footage so like amazing that means the the actors could see all all of that it's all in camera. i really like that yeah, everything's like in that. yeah everything's in camera so our era you know a lot of yeah, it's cgi CG. which is okay you know fine but there is something seeing magic practical <laughs> yeah. um, effects movie, movie and magic. knowing, you know, like a lot of these actors were in vaudeville, you know, yeah. everything one is, take. <laughs> yeah. It's one take. So it's just part of our, you know, film history H heritage. Yeah. 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 I mean, definitely there's, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for like safety today. Cause like, <laughs> yeah. the second movie we watch where there's like fire surrounding people and Oh yeah, it was like, so oh yeah. scary. Yeah, it was like safety issues, but like I love all the in-camera stuff. It's yeah. great. So, yeah, that was wonderful. And yeah, but Glinda, you're you're right. Oh, <laughs> wait, Kristen, am I right in guessing you were like super into Wicked? No, you weren't. No. That seems that seems right up your alley. Yeah, I to be honest, I've only heard a few songs from that soundtrack. Like I never, I tried to read the book. I just petered out. Didn't like, like it. Didn't like it, but I, I'm still open to it. You know, I've never. Oh, wait. I actually think my family and I saw Wicked in Detroit. Yeah. Several, several years ago. And all I, we were up in the nosebleeds, and all I remember is the defying gravity. Yeah. And like how amazing that end. is. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. But anyway, we saw yeah. that in. Yeah. <laughs> it was our senior trip, senior orchestra trip to Chicago, and we saw Wicked. And yeah, we didn't have like great seats or anything, but mm -hmm. I, like, I do remember, oh, you know, like the finale when she like, yeah, like, it's good. 
Ah, it was give you chills. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, did you have a favorite part in this movie, Emily, or favorite sequence? I love the Kansas stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I love, I love when, of course, I love when she sings somewhere over the rainbow and the twister. It's epic. It's so good. Everything, everything's so good. I love lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, (laughs) like the poppy field. That's great. Yeah. That was gorgeous. Yeah, um, it is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous I, movie. I read that it was like that the snow had asbestos. Is that oh, a yeah. rumor or is that? Yeah, they I mean, did, they people... did talk about it, but I don't think they said it was pure yeah. asbestos. Okay. Like yeah. they did use that stuff back in the day for like, yeah, as a fire retardant, but that I forgot. They said what it was. It wasn't asbestos, but it probably oh, okay. was. It probably wasn't great to be breathing in whatever. It was. <laughs> but the yeah, the poppy field. They took, it took them like a week or two for twenty different technicians had to individually, pl- like quote unquote plant because they're not real. Mm-hmm. But they had to place those poppies. Wow. So this was yeah again. This was back in the day when. Yeah. Today, that would all just be digital. Yep. No, they physically had to place all of those poppies in a week or two to do that. The set was, um, it said the largest set was the interior vase. It was 2,800 square feet, and there were 300 to 350 actors in it. For the Munchkins, they had 124 little people that they cast nationwide. Nationwide. Yeah. There were matte paintings everywhere. So, like that the scene where she runs off like she she skips down the yellow brick road yeah um she's skipping right toward a brick wall <laughs> like, like literally it's just like a yellow brick painting. wall so they're like yeah. waving and she like skips so yeah it's just like a wall and um but it looks so good it like, looks really good it's it's magical what about you do you have like a favorite oh, I think um starting with the scarecrow I love how she meets the scarecrow the tin man and the lion like each introduction yeah. scene for those guys i i loved it um they get their little song to sing or whatever and um you get close-ups of their makeup and costumes yeah. which are incredible and uh-huh. um i kind of ship dorothy and scarecrow <laughs> oh my god well it's it's ray bolger yeah she appeared with again briefly um in harvey girls yes and i uh <laughs> You know, I appreciate the drive of the film, like that is that uh, Dorothy wants to get home. That's the that's the main motivation. So I appreciate it. But um, (laughs) for me, I feel like, why do you want to get back to your dusty (laughs) farm, Kansas, (laughs) and your legal troubles with the neighbor? Like that doesn't sound fun. She misses. Um, She misses Auntie M. Yeah, I yeah, she's got loved ones. But I was like, I would stay in Oz and live it up. Oh, that seems kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, it, that was my vague uneasiness watching it. It's just like a big bad dream. It's kind of uh, like a Technicolor nightmare landscape. Yeah, yeah. Where it's beautiful, perfect. but it's terrifying. Perfect, kind, yeah. Kind of like Willy Wonka. Scary. I Willy Wonka too. Scary place. Like, like when they're panning yeah. uh, Munchkin Land when she's first there, you know, yeah. showing off the Technicolor. I, I thought of the set of Willy Wonka yeah. with the Chocolate River. 
it's beautiful, but then that's, a, I mean, it's kind of a scary place. I wouldn't want to stay yeah. there for too long. I kind of felt uneasy where I'm like, yeah, this yeah. is kind of cool, but it almost feels like an acid trip. It's just everything's, yeah. everything's bright colors and you're just like, oh, <laughs> I think I want to go home There's now. like no rules. They kind of, you make no, them up as you go. There and... are flying monkeys. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Or, yeah. I Alice in Wonderland makes me uneasy too. Very, very. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. But no, it's it, not. It's not unusual. It's bizarre. It's scary, yeah. but beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Treacherous. Did you see The Wiz? No, I didn't. With Diana Did Ross. Yeah, we had oh that. Oh my on, god. We had that on VHS growing up. <gasps> cool. Um, I didn't actually, know it was out that long. Yeah. It's oh, okay. a, no, it's actually really scary. The Wiz is scary. Did they remake it in the last like five years? They I had a like, they had like a TV like a like live an all talk. black cast. Well, it is an all black musical. The Wizzes. Oh, it is. So, okay. Yeah. So, but then they did like a live televised version. <gasps> That's um, my picture. But no, the okay. movie is it's very scary. Wow. Okay, I gotta it add is. that to my list. Yeah, it's it's messed up. It's scary. They, wow. Like she goes to like the subway and there's like garbage cans coming alive and people coming out of the walls. It's really scary. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, very creepy. And then also another movie that maybe we'll have to cover is Return to Oz. Do you know about this movie? <gasps> Nate showed this to me. Is that with the monkeys with the long wheels? The wheelers, um, yeah. The wheelers, yeah. Yep. Scary. That was stuff. a trip. Yeah, we'll yeah, have to talk that about might, that. That one. might be one to do, but just very disturbing. Yes. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is that so? Is that one? Is that based on the books? I don't. Oh no. Okay. Let's, let's quickly look it up. Yeah. Hold on. It has Feruza Balk and she was in The Craft. I don't know that. I don't know. Oh my God, craft. Kristen. Have you seen? Oh my God. You haven't seen The Craft? No, I don't know. Kristen, it's a never witch. Even it's heard a teen. Of it. Kristen, it's a movie <gasps> about teen witches. Oh my goodness. Okay. You have Googling to see that craft. right now. Okay. I'm going to look up Return to Oz. Yeah, 1985. It's terrifying looking. I'm just seeing the images yeah. coming up and it's really scary. <laughs> it's on Disney Plus. Oh my God. Oh, amazing. Adapted from the Marvelous Land of Oz, illustrated Ozma of Oz. So it sounds like it was adapted from oh. some of the books. And yeah, Feruza Balk is Dorothy. And she, yeah, she was like 11 when she made it. But yeah, she went on to be in The Craft, which I feel like, okay. Kristen, you Looking have to see right The Craft. 1996. You have, you've got to see the craft. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it's about teen witches. It's like right up your alley. Oh my gosh. Right yeah. Up. It's like Heathers, but with witches. So. <laughs> the girls grow power mad. That's all I need to know. Yeah. 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 I'll yeah. Be watching it's, this. It's crazy. Bruce Falk. Yeah. Great. Cool. Name. Yeah. Return to Oz. Disturbing as hell. Yeah, the wheelers are so scary. I feel like that one was more palatable because it was less well-made, you know, a little cheaper budget <laughs> and, you know, it's like cheesier. And this one, this one, I think is just so well done. It's, and plus it's from my childhood. So yeah. But is even, that how you feel like, oh yeah. Like even yeah. like, obviously we're not watching in the theater, but I just watched it on my big screen, you know, at home yeah. and when the house lands, the sound design is so good. Everything goes silent. Oh. When mm-hmm. she opens the door and it's in color, it's magical. Oh it takes gosh. you, it takes your breath away. Yeah. Today. Even today. Yeah. Even today it does. And it's so magical. And you can imagine what it would be like to see that in 1939. Cause there yeah. weren't really, this was, there were Technicolor films before this, but like it was new. It was like yeah. a new innovation. So 
to and see the direct that. contrast with sepia in yeah. color. Oh, it's yeah, it's magical. Yeah, it's a visual treat for sure. Mm-hmm. And the, you, all the clever and playful rhymes. And yeah. <laughs> do you like when the scarecrow is like, she's like, how can you talk if you don't have a brain? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> but, then, but then he's like, yeah. plenty of people that don't have brains do a lot of talking. Do a lot of and talking. I yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, yes, dude. <laughs> that was great commentary. <laughs> and watching this as an adult, I feel like yeah. I didn't realize how many times Scarecrow saved the day or came up with ideas. Like, he clearly has a brain, you know, like, yep. when he's like, here, Dorothy, I'll show you how to get apples. And he, like, taunts those yeah. scary nightmare trees. Oh, those scared apples me. At those, him. Re- yeah. those really scared me. He snatched her up. Ooh. And then when he uses the Tin Man's axe when they're in the Wicked Witch's lair to yeah. cut the chandelier. I was nervous for the actors when that chandelier thing fell on them. I hope yeah. it was foam. You know, I hope everyone's I okay. <laughs> But each each land, each group of people had their own like culture, costuming, makeup, hair. It I was just over they, the top amazing. I, I love when they go into the Emerald City and I'll get their glow up. It's so good. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Can you good. even dye my, my eyes to, to match my, my gown? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yes. I always loved when I was little, I loved when she put the oil on the Tin Man and his little <gasps> joints. I did too. Why she, is that? I don't know. It is satisfying. The noise yeah. of the pan and just like opens his mouth up. I'm like, ah, yeah. you can talk now. <laughs> so, I don't know. And then the lion. <laughs> weird, weird yeah, stuff, weird, weird stuff, stuff that comes back to you. with you. <laughs> yeah. And the lion was so funny. Physical comedy in his expression. The yep. way he trilled his words. And he when was... he sings, I'm the king of the forest, that was a family favorite of ours. Oh, it was? We would all practice singing that to so, so you could make my dad laugh the most. Do you remember last time you were telling me like about the number you always fast forwarded as a child? Oh, uh-huh. In Harvey Girls? Yes. Um, this was that for me. <laughs> you would fast forward the king of the forest? I thought I didn't like his voice. <laughs> I, I found it annoying. So That's incredible. But, we uh, thought that, it was peak comedy. That's so funny. Well, he was no, so he was. They all came from vaudeville, but he was known for being like even for vaudeville outsized. This actor, wow. like they played to the cheap seats, so mm. he was known for just being. You couldn't contain him. So wow. like when he did that, yeah, he was peak. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he was performing through the the makeup and and like yeah. oh, there's a very sweet story of him. Thirty years after they did this movie together, he showed up to when she was doing a concert at the palace theater and on broadway mm-hmm. he showed up and saw the concert and then afterward they were there's a party and then the, the whole like floor cleared up so that they could dance together <gasps> oh how magical Isn't that magic yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah so i was uh, scrolling on instagram and it's pride month everyone happy pride, happy pride. so pride. so someone posted an article about queer coding and like older movies and Mm, the Wizard of Oz showed up on it so yeah tell us more about that yeah so they this who wrote the article hold on hold on y'all and it was written by Derek LeBeau film expert who heads up the queer cinema archive he wrote about different like queer coded moments in older movies and so he he wrote about the Wizard of Oz and 
I'll just read it. Actor yeah, Bert, sure. Okay. Actor Bert Lars' interpretation of the cowardly lion was based on effeminate gay stage and screen characters known as sissies or pansies. <gasps> oh, yeah. Wow. The pansy character originated in the nightclubs of Greenwich Village in Harlem and achieved mainstream popularity around 1930 to 1933. This happened largely because of prohibition, which helped co-mingle different groups and classes of people suddenly there were a lot more queer characters on the big screen even in cartoons Whoa. Um, despite these characters being removed from mainstream movies after 1933 the cowardly lion slipped through censorship <laughs> hey yeah yeah he and we talked about the term friend of dorothy friends of dorothy yeah tell our listeners yeah so that was a term that gay men would use to find out if another man was gay are you a friend of dorothy's and that was like a way to determine it that's incredible yeah so and judy is a gay icon yes like specifically to the gay male community she's I she love has that. been for a long long time so yeah so there's your little queer <laughs> queer, queer history yeah that's so important yeah. keep that alive you know what's the weirdest thing that happens in this movie Ooh. There's like um, some weird. There's a lot of weird stuff. What was the scariest thing that happened um, in this movie? I think just the witch melting. Yeah. Did you say? I mean, her, that performance. I'm melting, melting. Ooh. What a world. Oh, you cursed brat! Look what you've done! I'm melting, melting. Oh, what a world! What a world! Who would have thought a good little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? Okay, let's talk, let's, yeah, wait, what, so, so let's, let's try to think of all the iconic lines from this movie, because that's one of them. Yeah, I'm melting, I'm melting. melting. What a world. Oh, yeah. What a world, what a world. There's no place like home. Toto, or what did she say? I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Yep. Uh, oh, I'll get, I'll get you. I'll My get pretty you and your little, little dog, dog too. too. Very well. I'll bide my time. And as for you, my fine lady, true, I can't attend you here and now as I'd like, but just try to stay out of my way. Just try. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. <laughs> <laughs> I think the scary like the part that really scared me um when I was little was when she like flips the hourglass over and is like this is how long you have to live oh yeah because <laughs> and, and Judy's crying I'm like I was so upset yeah <laughs> oh, that's scary die? What the-, <laughs> the the moments that scare me a lot as a kid is when the witch would be in places that were unexpected oh she'd just show up behind trees and stuff yeah like creeping behind the tree or when yeah. she shows up after they meet the tin man and she's on the roof mm-hmm. of that abandoned house also yeah. like, oh no <laughs> she could be anywhere she's watching you yeah <laughs> Did, were and, you really were you scared oh go ahead go ahead oh i just i was just thinking 
when our four heroes are walking into the chamber of the wizard uh-huh. for the oh, first that's time. Scary. Well, yeah, and which is incredible because it's an empty hallway. Yeah. And yeah. it's just based on the music and the actors' performances alone that uh-huh. it builds up that suspense yeah. and that fear. Awesome. And then the wizard, he reads each of them to filth. Oh. Each of them. Oh, I didn't that, remember that. No, that scared me too when he's just the head, the floating head. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and oh there's flame, <laughs> and there are flames and stuff. Now it looks like he has like vampire teeth in, you know, like like yeah. little fake plastic teeth, and it was soothing to my to my inner child to be like, oh, he's fake. <laughs> yeah, he was scary. The monkeys, those flying monkeys, oh, were yeah. scary. Like when they, even when she's like, fly, my pretties, fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're just like little dots, you know, in the background. They're puppet. Those were little puppets. scary. Yeah. Oh, you want to know how they did the effect when she's flying in the sky, like sky riding? To, oh, was it a plane? No. So, so yeah, when the Wicked Witch flies out of her castle and you just see her sky ride, like surrender, Dorothy. Yeah. It was a pan of water and they had a little pen and they put a little witch on it. <gasps> Isn't that You're great? kidding me. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Okay. Whoa. Yeah, it's so good. That's got to be one of my favorite practical effects then. Yeah. Because yeah. so, like ink and I water. wouldn't have guessed. That's smart. Not in a million years. How yeah. Yeah. So there's like a between little... that tidbit and like yeah. the clouds in the credits being the only location i think this is culver city california <laughs> yeah 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 those were the scary yeah that, i mean there are a lot of scary moments in this yeah and emily i wanted to ask you too um what are some ways you've seen this film in like i mean we've talked about queer coding what are some other elements of pop culture that this oh, film has God. brought us even today i'm sure we could just i'm sure just on youtube you could just type in like wizard of oz references mm. and there'd be like a long long list of t- yeah. like times it's shown up times that those lines have been quoted oh yep i mean how many times did it like uh, i would play with my friends and we would skip and say lines and tigers and bears oh <gasps> yeah. my lions and tigers and bears oh my i feel like there's got to be so many different ya adaptations <laughs> of this story yeah notably there's one by danielle page a young adult writer she does a pretty good series that's based on wizard of oz and well wicked um, wicked wicked yeah and um i i think about like i was in band in high school and whenever we do i remember a halloween concert we did with the orchestra and like one of the sections each they each dressed up as a character from wizard of oz and it's instantly recognizable yeah. even if they only have the little you know like a silver sieve or whatever on their head however you say that <laughs> yeah. you know it's the tin man right tin like man. you recognize it right away dorothy's another halloween costume you see oh, a lot oh my niece juju julia she was dorothy she so was cute as adorable so adorable she was <laughs> n- nine. Oh my god Aww. it's precious i love dorothy so cute oh i like that oh wait Kristen, didn't you tell me like years ago that your favorite show or movie was some oz related thing with zoe deschanel oh no no um, what was that no it was called alice 
and it's oh, an Alice in Wonderland. Damn. It's from Sci-Fi, but Sci-Fi also did. Wasn't it called The Tin Man or something? Uh, I can't Who remember. Let me look that up. No, but have- Zoe Deschanel was in that. We gotta know. We gotta wasn't know. Wasn't critically well received. What was it? What was it? It was called Tin Man. Okay, I'm, I'm not losing my mind. Yeah, so you're right. Miniseries. It, it was. Oh my God, Alan Cumming was in that. Yeah, he he would. I mean, he kills it in every performance he has. Richard Dreyfuss. Okay. It was very. Uh, the plot was very hard to deal oh with. Oh my God, they <laughs> or were lack only- thereof. Okay, they were only three episodes. That's not good. Okay. How do I still know it existed when there were only three episodes? Of- Interesting. Maybe yeah. Because good Zoe point. Deschanel was in it. That's probably why. But it was on, yeah, that was on sci-fi. So wait, what was the one you liked then? Yeah, just called Alice. Okay. Oh, it's, that was, it's that was so good. Wait, that's all it's called? Just Alice? Mm-hmm. And it was on sci-fi? Yeah. It's a, um, it was a mini series too. Okay. 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 Yeah, okay. it's. I highly recommend that one. Actually, I mean, there's plenty of cheese. Yeah. Well, it's sci- anything on the Sci-Fi Channel. Is yeah. But it's to- Catherine Scorsoni, I think is her name. She plays Alice. She's um, she's kick-ass. Like just incredible Alice. She's like the first brunette Alice we've seen oh, yeah. on TV, and um, like it's just there's all kinds of. I mean, fun to be had, but also like a little romance. And she she's trying to save her boyfriend for most of the movie. And I, I feel like that's empowering because a lot of movies are like, you know, damsel in distress, the man's trying to save the woman. But no, like she's like, yeah, I'm going to get my boyfriend out of this crazy place. <laughs> Have you seen Run, Lola, Run? We might no. need to cover that. It's a German film. Kind of what she's doing. She's like, she's, I've heard him. she's running. She's like running across. I don't know what city in Germany, but she has to get some, enough money to save her boyfriend. Oh, cool. Like, I bet Kristen would like Run, Lola, Run. I I heard I don't I'm quoting this from a psych episode so I don't know if it's ah! true they reference that movie and they say what like it starts in the middle or like it it oh. goes and it stops and it starts in the middle again or something something yeah. like the timeline's all weird but the the actress Franca Potente she was in most people would probably recognize her from the Bourne movies where she oh, cool. she was in the first two Bourne movies but yeah she plays in Run Lola run yeah she's like badass she's got like red pink hair (laughs) nice yeah she's running around in that movie trying to yeah she's rest she's saving her boyfriend so we might need to watch yeah that'd be fun i think you'd dig it but oh my god you know what i just thought of what's that we've talked about this before but the insane miniseries on abc that was that well okay was it the tenth kingdom or the last <gasps> kingdom? The tenth kingdom. Was it the tenth kingdom? Yes. Okay. What the oh fuck was God. that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? It's so fucking. Oh, up. I love it. We, we have to talk okay. about this one. It's so amazing. Okay, wait, Kristen. Just there's mommy issues. We're getting like there's side- a horny wolf. Like okay, there's who was who was in Gilmore Girls. Yes, oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Kimberly Paisley Williams. Yeah. At the time it was like just Kimberly Williams, I think. Yeah. But yeah. And then Diane 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 Weist. She's an amazing evil queen. I love her. Diane Weist is amazing. Mm -hmm. 
it's so fucking weird. <laughs> like, I, like the no, trolls and well, stuff. I, oh, I hated them. That because they were so annoying to me. But I just remember like watching that on TV when it when it was on ABC. Really, and, I think I did too. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then I, you know, like whatever, I forgot about it for years. For some reason, someone reminded me of it. It was probably some podcast that was like, "Oh, do you remember the Tenth Kingdom?" And so I went on YouTube and like someone had posted all of it. So I watched it and I was Uh like, oh my God, these effects are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) They're so bad. Yeah, they're bad. Oh my God. But but it's so bad. It's good. Like, oh, I know. I I don't know. We might need to, we might need need to cover it. It's pretty good. (laughs) So good. Oh my God. Okay. Somehow we got got from the Wizard of Oz (laughs) to the the 10th Kingdom. (laughs) Oh my God. But yeah, um, are there any other facts, um, oh, impressions, anything see. else to share? We'll I'm wind it down. To... Yeah, I'm looking through. Oh yeah, so Billy Burke, the woman who played yeah. Glinda, played Judy's mother in a movie a year before this. <gasps> cool. So like, it seems like back then, and maybe even today, to a certain extent, Hollywood was kind of just incestuous. Like it's a really yeah. small, very small especially during the studio system where you'd work with the same yeah you get contracted for like and they X would like films. they would loan actors yes, like different studios to other studios and the same thing with directors they loan so wild yeah it was a weird system that yeah. fell apart i think in like the late 60s but that would be mm-hmm. something interesting to cover yeah the studio system yeah it it was nuts so yeah this is a big huge mgm movie it had a huge premiere Again, it didn't make like all of its money back really. Like it was a very modest success, even though it had this gigantic premiere and there was all mm. this anticipation. And Judy was like a huge star and this really launched her. This was like her seventh movie, her seventh feature wow. film, her seventh feature film. And she was like 16 here. But then she would go on to, we know what happened to Judy. Yeah, uh, poor Judy. Um, it is like her, her life did have a lot of tragic elements, but it's not all she was. And all she, yeah, you know, right, right. It's important to remember like, she did have joy and she had highs and she had some lows, but like, mm-hmm. this was a really wonderful time in her life. Um, that's, that's how she recounts, or Eliza talks about it and yeah. said that this was a really good experience for her and something she liked to remember fondly. Oh yeah. There's a lot of um, lore around this movie that is not true. So oh. yeah, well, a lot of like, there were reports of the actors playing the munchkins being drunk all the time and being like hmm. wild on set and that was highly exaggerated so in the the documentary that i watched um that was called it's called broth to see the munchkins it was a documentary made in 1993 where they interviewed a lot of the the actors that were still alive that Mm. played the munchkins um yeah a lot of a lot of this stuff was just made up they said that you know the legend was that they were just wild debauch just like these these actors playing the munchkins were crazy and like were wild in the culver city hotel but and like all over the lot and stuff and they came on and they were like yeah that was kind of annoying like there were a few people that got really drunk but like it wasn't like this like (laughs) i think that's normal if it's a group of like a hundred adults and the adults and they were like yeah it was not like this huge crazy orgy (laughs) thing you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and then judy like even she would tell stories and Liza in one of the clips was saying, yeah, my mom like loved to tell stories and she could spin a yarn and she Ah. loved to entertain. She told a few stories on like the Jack Parr show about, oh yeah, the munchkins were drunk and some of them did get drunk, you know, Mm. but like 
they weren't constantly drunk and belligerent. They talked about in that documentary how they much they loved Judy though, and she mm. she let them tour her dressing room and like each of them, there were 124. She personalized an autograph eight by 10 for each of them. And because the film was shot over Christmas, she got like a giant 20 pound box of candy that they all shared on the elevator road together. So they had fond memories of her, but yeah, Liza talked about, Oh yeah, we knew she was just making stuff up. Cause that's what our, <laughs> like, that's what our mom did. She like, wow. she, she enjoyed spinning a yarn and she was mm. an entertainer and she was good at it. And anybody who really knew her knew what a funny, bright witty uh raconteur she was and she her vocabulary was immense and she had a way of telling a story she could change anything so anything that she talked about would become an epic joke almost and we used to love to listen to her and she did that several times telling stories about the wizard of oz and they have since passed into a myth i mean they really people believe a lot of the things that she has told which in fact we know are not true she also told this other story about like um the three guys upstaging her when they were skipping down the elbic road and really? and, Li- and liza's like yeah that didn't happen like <laughs> she just like uh, she just liked telling funny stories the drama getting right? a ri- getting a rise out of the audience and stuff yeah. so i don't know but that's a great, I love listening to Liza talk about Judy. She loved that's her, great. she loved her so much mm-hmm. and just like knew her better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So um, I always love to see this. So I'll put a little bit of Liza in here, but it's so sweet when you see just what a baby she was in this. She still, yeah. she'd gone through a lot of shit up to that point, but she wasn't as worn down by life. As yeah. She, that's so hard being a child actor, essentially. In the thirties. They were worked yeah, so hard. Wild. They were worked yeah. so hard, way too hard. And yeah, I mean, still today, it's still a huge issue today. Oh yeah. Did you, I didn't read it. Cause I was like, this is too upsetting. I didn't read the Jeanette McCurdy memoir. Did you? Yes. Jeanette McCurdy from Nickelodeon wrote yeah. a memoir called I'm glad my mom died. Uh-huh. And the title is kind of meant to be incendiary. Sensation- if that's the right word. Yeah. Sensational. sensational. Yeah. But yeah, there was a, a lot of abuse going on from her family, her mother in particular, and mm-hmm. just weird, you know, stuff going on on set and dealing with fame as a child. Yeah. <laughs> um, like it's it's short and it's to the point, so it's worth reading. And she paints the picture of her mother with a lot of fairness, I'd say. Um, yeah, but she's very clear and blunt about a lot too. Yeah. And Judy had a terrible relationship with her mother. Did she? Like, the ultimate like momager, yeah, stage Oof. stage mom. Yeah, well, did she have a tough life? She was, you know, at that point she was sixteen here, but they had she had been in a few movies, and the executives were just blown away by her talent, her yeah. huge voice. But of course, all they not all they cared about, but we want you to lose weight. We want to fix your nose. We're going to cap your teeth. And this is like a 13 year old girl that they're telling all so this to up. Yeah. Yeah, putting her on uppers and downers, like uppers to keep them awake, to perform long hours, downers mm-hmm. to get them to go to sleep and like putting them on tour for weeks and weeks and weeks. So just Man. not anything a child should be doing or an adult probably. For real. Yeah. How damaging. Yeah. But man, how resilient, you know? Yeah. That's pretty incredible. And this was her, she had a great sense of humor and she loved making this movie. And like, yeah, like I said, the older I get, like even now, 
the movie was, it was really profound to me and just Mm -hmm. watching her sing that song. I'm like, I think the older I get, the more this is just going to move me (laughs) and resonate with me. Um, Yeah. And there's a very sweet part at the end of the movie when she's, when she finds out like, oh, all I had to do is click my heels. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you just tell me before? (sighs) And then Dorothy just says, she tells us what she had to learn. She said that she, she said it wasn't enough just to want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And then she goes, if I, it's that if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard because if it isn't there, I never really lost it to begin with. Yeah. T- tell me, I didn't really understand that. Yeah. What is so she talking about? I was thinking of this last night because I was like rereading the line over and over again. And I was yeah. like, I was like, is this supposed lost to be what? Like, what okay. So I about? think she's saying that the whole time, like in the beginning of the movie, she's like, I want to leave. Like, I want to yeah. get out of here. I want to run away. Um, I want to go over the rainbow. Mm-hmm. She does go over the rainbow and then realizes what I really want oh, to be with my loved ones. Yeah. Okay. And so, and she's saying, I'm going to remember, she says, if I ever go looking for my heart's desire and she's learned what her heart's desire is, it's home. There's no place mm-hmm. like home, right? She won't look any further than her own backyard because if her heart's desire isn't there in her own backyard, she never really lost it because mm. this is like deep existential shit. Yeah. She's like, oh, it means it wasn't there. If it wasn't, I can't, <laughs> okay. because you can't lose something that's not there. Yeah. Wow. But she okay. knows that she knows where her desire is now because she doesn't have it. She wants to be home. So it's just like, Got oh it. my God, like <laughs> it's, it's actually very profound and very yeah. timeless. I think it's endured because of people's dreams and because of the possibilities and because that there may be some place over the rainbow that everybody wants to find something better and even if it's more colorful or more outrageous or scarier or whatever, you end up wanting to go home and that, you know, that's, that's the best place you can be after all of the things that you learn no matter how beautiful everything else is home is what matters yeah i'm glad you yeah because i was a little puzzled by the wording yeah and yeah so it's just deep. It's complex. It's, it acts very deep. It's very yeah. deep. And I was like, oh my God, little, little Dorothy Gale learned that lesson. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, and again, like, yes, the, she went over the rainbow into this technicolor world and it was magnificent and terrifying. And, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't an all, it wasn't a completely bad experience. She learned a lot about herself and yeah, her courage and resolve. And I love when she like talks back to the wizard when she's like, <laughs> You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would never have been brave enough that to do so that. Cool. And I noticed it. Yeah. It only came out of her when he was hurting her friends. Like, yeah. Yeah. that was pretty cool. Or like whenever, you know, when Toto's threatened, she stands up. Yeah. Like, he's very loyal. Dorothy's great. Dorothy's, yeah. Dorothy's brave. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's great. Yeah. And it makes me curious about the books too. Same. I mean, they're classics for a reason. I wonder if the film hadn't been made, if they would have survived into this century or not. Maybe. Um, I guess that there had been before this, there were like silent films made of it mm. and like a musical version, but you're probably right. Yeah. This, so yeah. They kept make they kept writing them after he died. 
I don't like yeah. that. Well, someone did because he only wrote 14, but there are 40 books. Ooh. So someone bought the property, like the whatever the intellectual property was. But um, I, some cute little facts I learned was that, so the way he came up with the name Oz for the magical land was he had two filing cabinets in his office and, uh-huh. and one was A through N, right? Yeah. And the other was O through Z. <gasps> so he looked over no and was way. like, Oz, this is it. Oh, and then, cool. And the, the like most insane story that I'm well, maybe not the most insane story, but the one of the weirder things that I learned watching this documentary was that so the actor Frank Morgan who played the Professor Marvel and Doc and Oz, mm-hmm. the great the great Wizard of Oz. He and the director were looking through secondhand stuff for the coat for the professor because he's supposed mm-hmm. to be this like charlatan who's probably doesn't have a lot of money. So right. MGM had a big costume warehouse and they got all this secondhand clothing all the way from Chicago, I guess. Mm, okay. Whatever, wherever it came from. And Frank Morgan was like, oh, I like this jacket. And then Mervyn Leroy was like, yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. And then he looked in the inside pocket and L. Frank Baum's name was embroidered into the pocket. What? Yeah. So they- Wait. The, the author of- Like it, but like that was his coat? Sewn in, Yeah. So they they were like, what? No way. And at that point, L. Frank Baum was dead, but his widow still lived in Hollywood. Because I guess he moved to Hollywood and maybe worked in Hollywood. And they went over to her. They got a hold of her and they were like, is this his jacket? She goes, oh my God. Yes. Like this was made for him years and years before in Chicago, like all the way in Chicago. That's eerie. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. What are the odds? Yeah. That that was one of the most like chilling and like also, I don't know, profound and moving things. It was like, it was like he was watching, like giving his blessing. Yeah. 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 I like that. Anyway, I thought you would probably. Yeah, I'm into that. That's cool. But the point is, yes, if you have not seen this and you probably have, if you are an American child or grew up as a child in America, you've probably seen this movie. Or I've seen some element in another or some or have heard it quoted reference if it's been on the simpsons or whatever you've heard it referenced you've seen the imagery the iconography and yeah if if you can only watch one thing just youtube judy singing somewhere of the rainbow Mm -hmm. you will thank yourself and cry (laughs) yeah Yeah, passengers this has been a wild ride judy summer of judy oh should we talk about we will be potentially having some very special guests on to talk about our last Judy movie that we're doing, um, which is called Meet Me in St. Louis. And it's mm-hmm. amazing. I can't and, wait. This going to be fun. Yeah. And then um, hoping to do, <laughs> I know you don't want to do Mamma Mia. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I know it's, I know it's bad. I know it's bad, but it's good because it's bad. Uh, yeah, I can be convinced. <laughs> I might um, not. I might not make you do it Mar- for Meryl Streep. I can be convinced. It's, you um, know what? I love watching Meryl have fun. So, and it is my sister in law's favorite movie. Okay. Um, so yeah, I I can be convinced, but uh, I don't. I have no idea what I'm gonna say. Or what, I've I've only seen it once, and it was probably two all or three you, years ago. All you needed. <laughs> So I need to watch it again. And... I, thought, I saw it in theaters. Oh! I, think, I think I was like 19 when it, it yeah. was like 2008 or something. I was 18, 18 or something. What a time. And I went with my, co- I went with my cousin Jenna and we saw it in theaters and yes, it was, I even, I knew it was stupid, but I still loved yeah. it. So I just, <laughs> I love it. And then, oh, another one I was talking to my friend Rachel about, 
about her potentially coming on because she's my child. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is um, the Lindsay Lohan parent trap. That would be so fun. And, and we will have to talk in tandem with the original with Haley Mills, too. Yeah, I think yeah. I only saw that one like once. Okay. That was on constant rotation in the nice. Giants household growing up. Yeah. Haley Mills, baby. Um, oh, God. But yeah, thanks, passengers. Uh, let us know what you think about the film, about Judy, about anything. In the Wait, give us, our, give us our stones. Yes. So why don't you come visit us on Instagram? Emily does an awesome job posting. Um, about like these cool little like covers for each one of our episodes <laughs> little video clips it's female driven podcast and you can email us female driven podcast at gmail.com we'd love you know if you rate our podcast rate, um, like, just follow. say hi yeah um, do a little rainbow emoji or judy judy and her song yeah, but we're excited. One more Judy film for our Summer of Judy. Summer of Judy. I know and what Kristen. We'll do some fun ones with fun guests. Yeah. I know what Kristen's excited for. Kristen is excited for her spooky girl fall. My spooky season. Spooky There's just fall. so many to choose from, and it's a great problem to have. So yeah. if you have a suggestion of a spooky film you want us to cover, let us know. And we might need to just do the Tenth Kingdom. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, that will be the best day of my life. <laughs> we can do one episode at a time and be like what the fuck is happening (laughs) (laughs) oh that's gonna be so fun oh that sounds like the most fun i'm gonna have in a long time (laughs) i can just remember specific images from that like when her hair is disgustingly long oh yeah and And then when her dad has like an acid trip in the forest with a mushroom do you remember that yeah and then there's like a frog that a giant toad that's guarding like two different doors and he's like Mm -hmm. if you go through this door you're gonna die and like and then he like throws the frog down down into the vault it's it's weird and yeah there's a trip and max medina from gilmore girls is like a horny wolf man yeah he's like unhinged Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't want to get into it. Queen yet. Diane Weist is the we queen. Will, yes, we have lots to talk about. Mommy yeah. issues galore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, passengers. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. We'll see you over the rainbow. Bye.
That's where 